Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, friends and foes alike. I am the West Virginia woman, Robin Holstein of RobinHolstein.com and Holstein House, where my guests get a good night's sleep at a fair rate plus breakfast. I've been keeping house since I was 17 years old, balancing the budget and paying the bills as an army wife on the salary of a PFC stationed at Fort Hood, Texas, and as a single mother of two back home in West Virginia. Things have changed a lot since then, but I haven't forgotten what it was like. This podcast looks at society and cultural issues affecting families in West Virginia and in the United States, from food preparation and storage, gardening, home repairs, current events, and more. We'll go round the table and back in 60 minutes or less. So let's hang out and talk a while. All righty then, let me get this back on here. So, welcome. This is the inaugural edition of the Hosting House podcast, episode one. It's premiering on the Fountain Network, uh, and then it'll be distributed to some others. If you found me on Fountain, I hope you'll boost and clip and share with all your friends and followers. And if I bring you value, I hope you will give me value in return. Now, a little bit about me. I was married at 17. Yep, I was a child bride. I knew what I wanted, and I was by jolly going to get it, too. And I did. I married my first husband. I've been married more than once. I married my first husband when I was 17 years old. He joined the military, and we moved to Fort Hood, Texas, after he did his basic training at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And we lived at Fort Hood, Texas for just shy of four years. Uh, I was there a little bit less than he was, but a couple months he had to... um, when he got out of the service the, to, you know, to close everything and turn everything and do all the stuff that they have to do when they separate, I think is the, the word they used to use for that. Um, I had two sons. I had a couple of daughters. My daughters uh, passed away early. They were premature births. My younger son died uh, a few years ago in 2012. He, uh, he committed suicide and, um, it's, it's tough, and sometimes I can talk about it, sometimes I can't. Um, I've reached the point now where, you know, it's been 10 years, and I'm trying to talk about it a little more so that maybe I can help other parents who have had children that commit suicide, regardless of the reason, whether it was intentional, whether it was, ac- well, it's kind of hard to do an accidental suicide, but whether it was drug-induced, whether it was intentional, you know, whether there'd been... Uh, attempts before or not, I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, so sometimes I, I do try to share things with uh, people so that it, it may help them through difficult times. Uh, I'm a Christian woman, and I believe that it was the uh, help of the Lord, Jesus, uh, that got me through those terrible times. And at some point in the future, we'll discuss that a little more. Uh, I am a follower of Christ. I make no apologies for that. And if you don't like it, well, you don't have to hang around. I don't tend to use foul language. I don't really like to hear foul language, although I know it's all the rage. It's so popular to just, you know, uh, just just cuss all the time, especially on these uh, social media apps like 
uh, Royal like fountain and, and some of the YouTube channels and, and just, you know, gratuitous bad language because, Oh, I can do it and nobody can cancel me. Well, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And I just assume not hear it. However, there are some people whose opinions and views and experience I value that tend to use a, a lot of salty language. And I, I don't, you know, I don't run in tears away from them with my hands over my ears, you know, um, begging for, for forgiveness because I listen to it and, and calling for exorcism on them. No, I mean, to each his own, really. Um, if I feel that you have something valuable to share with me or something that, you know, that I can learn from you, then, then I'll, I'll, deal with your language that's that's on you that's not on me but um you know i just appreciate not having to listen to it and i i rather that people in my presence not use it but you know if you think you're going to shock me with some of the words that you use let me tell you something i doubt that there's too many words that you could say that i haven't heard before maybe even been called before so it's you're not going to shock me it takes a lot to shock me um, let's see. I'm sorry if you're hearing me breathe. This isn't the best microphone. Um, I'm going to have to break down, I guess, and either start recording in my actual studio, which for my um, listening audience, this being the first podcast, I have an office uh, in another building here uh, on our property. And I have a really nice um microphone that I've used in the past for uh, podcasting and for, well, not podcasting because I didn't do a podcast, but for recording and for uh, video conferencing and stuff like that. And I always hesitate about, you know, where's the best place to record? Now I could go to the office, uh, but then that pulls me away from the house. And, and part of the reason I want to be in the house is because there's things I have to do. Um, but the point of the office is, is that I'm not in the house doing the house stuff. So it's, it's a fine line that I'm trying to walk. Um, I can do it if I need to. I, I just don't want to have to, I shouldn't say it that way because it's just not fair to, to people. I, I would like to come up with a compromise of some sort where I'm not having to do that, where I can be in the house and, and record the podcast report, record my videos and things because I'm doing cooking videos anyway. And I'm already here, but there, this house isn't situated just where that's convenient. And if I have guests, because I do run an Airbnb out of my home and have for a long time now, um, then the timing has got to be just right. I can't, I can't record just any time of the day on any day of the week or a set time because the window for my guests check-in is from three o'clock in the evening, check-out is by nine o'clock in the morning. So that leaves me a six-hour window if I have back-to-back -back guests to turn the room over, get everything clean, get ready for the next guest to come through, plus do all, everything that I need to do anyway. And if I'm going to have to be hardwired to something, I'm going to have to come up with a different plan anyway. So just bear with me if you don't mind. Uh, I, I am married, my wonderful husband, Wayne. And uh, we've been married 21 years and um, it's been great. It's been not without its challenges because we were married when my son committed suicide. And, and uh, along with the Lord, Wayne was, was a big part of my strength that, that I was able to heal and, and, and get through that period of time. Because if he wasn't here, I would not have been able to grieve the way I needed to grieve. And over the period of time that I needed to grieve, I would have been fired from my job and all kinds of other stuff. Stories for another day. 
I have a grown son that lives out of state. He's in the computer world. He does uh, re re uh, reverse engineering. I think he still does that. That's what he was doing when he went out there. He's changed jobs a couple of times, had several promotions. I'm really proud of him. I own my own business. I actually own well, a few of them. A couple, you know, one of them, Robin's Desktop LLC, has has done well since 2005. I've grown. I I was able to keep it going. I'm kind of letting it go now. I've I've changed directions in that from an administrative consulting business to a notary business to a few other things in in between. And I'm kind of winding that down. I'm just not interested in that anymore. I'm I'm 57 years old, and I don't have to do that anymore. I want to do this. I want to keep house. I want to do my Airbnb. I want to do my gardening and things like that. That's what I want to do. So uh, there's that. My son, uh, I and, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in, uh, I have zero experience in podcasting, but I have a little tiny bit of experience in uh, broadcasting, if you want to call it that, back in, I want to say it was 2006, 2007. I did a uh, part-time stint as a co-host on a morning radio program here in, uh, well, it was in Charleston, West Virginia, not here where I live, but um, we had a um, uh, a gentleman that was was a co-host, a full a regular co-host on the show, and he was also a member of our county school board, and um, he left. Oh, he didn't leave, but he he saw when he signed run for re-election he was no longer permitted to be a paid employee and on the show day to day or three days a week I think is what his schedule was at the time and so um, Jerry had to find people to fill in for him and I was one of the three people that he picked to fill in Andy Albertini was one and my friend Pat Patricia Cantrell was one Patricia and I got to be really close friends and she recently passed away, and, and I did the eulogy at her funeral. I was crazy about Pat as a friend. She was one of my best friends of all times, and former military, and just a, just a gorgeous, well-educated, bright, bright woman. So that, that, that lasted from January, mid-January to mid-May. So I, I, you know, I didn't plan the show or anything. I just came in, sat down, and gave my opinion. <laughs> And sometimes people didn't like my opinion. Oh, those are stories for, for another time as well. All right, let's see. Well, there's that. Um, so what I'm going to talk about uh, on this podcast uh, is, is uh, societal and cultural issues that affect West Virginia and the United States. Focusing a little more on West Virginia because that's where I live. Um, we'll talk about... Um, food preparation and storage, gardening, home repairs, uh, current events, more. Um, and, you know, I'll share information if you like. I'll share uh, what it's like to run an Airbnb from your home. I do that from here. I have a room in my house. I invite strangers in. They pay me for the privilege of staying here. I provide them a really neat little breakfast. Sometimes I, I splurge and some guests get different breakfasts than other guests but it depends on how long you're staying if you're going to be here a long time i'm going to provide uh, a different type of breakfast for you than i would be somebody's just here a night or two i've had all kinds of guests i've had good guests i've had bad guests i've had weirdos 
Nobody that caused me to feel unsafe, but I've had some real weirdos. And one of these times we'll talk about that too. And if you've ever considered or just even halfway thought, well, I wonder what it's like. I'd love to be able to share how you can run an Airbnb from your home as well. And some of the things that I've done over the years to uh, facilitate that and to enjoy it. So it's not always enjoyable, but for the most part it is. All right. So one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about today that falls under the society and culture issue um, is uh, I used to serve on the uh, West Virginia Interagency Council on Homelessness as a community representative. Now, I know that's something weird to come out the gate with, but it's part of a bigger uh, conversation that I want to have on cultural issues and the struggles of some of the people in our communities. Um, I was appointed to that council by former governor uh, Earl Ray Tomlin. And I, I tried to work with them. They, they only met about, you know, once a month or so. And then, then they stopped meeting and then life comes and goes and, and demands of life and, and adult childhood, um, you know, as my mother's health got bad and things, I, I just, I let that go and asked to be removed from it. But they had stopped meeting for a long time by the time I, I asked to be removed from it. And it was just one of those things I didn't want hanging loose. You know, I wanted to, to uh, tie that loose end up and not have to worry about it. But where it comes into play is I have a girlfriend, uh, um, Carla, who is a manager of a small women's shelter called Jericho House. And Jericho House Women's Shelter is located in St. Albans, West Virginia. And uh, Carla's been doing this for a while now. And she and I had lunch um, a few weeks ago. And we're talking about some ways to, to try to brainstorm ways that we could try to help these ladies as they get back up on their feet. They come to her with no money. Their contract requires them to get a job. In order to get a job, they have to begin maneuvering the bus system, the public transportation system to get places to get their driver's license or to get their state ID, to get your birth certificates in some cases, get copies of a social security card and just all of those things that you and I probably don't think about because it's stuff that we already have and um, that we keep up with. But these ladies, maybe they've been incarcerated, maybe they've been in a drug rehab center. For whatever reason, they a lot of these documents they don't have and they're required to to get those as part of the, the process in the programs that they're in and um, uh, some of the information I couldn't find out really up-to-date information some of the uh, local information was from 2019 I mean that just seems like a long way off but uh, I guess maybe the the COVID and all that mess interfered maybe with some of the reporting. And I guess, you know, if you're during those periods of time, if you're homeless, you're not going in anywhere. The offices are closed and you don't have access to video conferencing. So, but according to some news reports uh, in my county, uh, well, in the, in the state of West Virginia in 2019, there were over uh, a thousand homeless women, just women in West Virginia. I, I don't know where they get I mean, I kind of know where they get the numbers because I used to, to sit on that council, but 
I don't know how they validate those numbers, really. And they're just ch counting the people who are acknowledging that they're homeless, I suppose, and um, uh, taking their word for it. And um, of those 1,000, 293 were recorded as being in Kanoa County, which is the county where I live in and, and the county that Jericho House is in. And um, there, some of them were classified as chronic homelessness, and, and that's a definition of people who've uh, been experiencing homelessness repeatedly. So you get up on your feet, you fall off, you get up on your feet, you fall off, you, you, and each time, you know, you, you lose your home. Or um, maybe you never actually had a home very long. You're staying with relatives. That can count as being homeless if you have to stay with relatives long enough. <clears throat> And this would be an adult, not a child that's um, adopted or under foster care or guardianship or some kind, something legal like that. Um, and it's often uh, accompanied with, homelessness is often accompanied with mental health issues or substance abuse. And um, the chronically homeless are, are people who've been, you know, on the streets for a long time, it's sometimes even years. Um, there was a gentleman, well, he was still around when I was on the radio, that they called Aqualung. And, uh, I mean, he just was, you know, that's when you first started talking about homeless and bag ladies and things like that. And he would walk down the streets of Charleston, usually with some kind of a grocery cart full of paper bags and and things and he he just he absolutely reeked of urine and i mean there was all kinds of stories rumors about him and what his previous life had been he was a veteran he had a check he was a millionaire i mean there's all these stories concocted and he would come and go you know a lot of the homeless they'll go south for the winter kind of like the the birds do down to the warmer weather and he 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 left one year and never came back. And nobody ever found out what happened to him. There's no, no reporting. And there were stories that, that he'd been picked up and put into a shelter program or into a VA hospital and he later died. I mean, it's just hard to tell whatever happened to him, but he was one of those chronic homeless. You saw him when the weather, you saw him here in, in, in the Charleston, West Virginia area when the weather got warm enough that he could be out and he, he lived on the streets. Um, and in January of 2020, the, uh, the, U the U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness, which is the federal arm of the West Virginia um, Homelessness Council, they reported that an estimated 1,341 people were experiencing homelessness on any given day in West Virginia. And of that total, 58 were family households where, you know, husband, wife, wife, kids, husband or father, kids, mother, kids, something like that. 104 were veterans. 112 were unaccompanied young adults aged 18 to 24. And 174 of those were individuals experiencing chronic homelessness. And again, that's, that's where, um, and that, that lines up with the, uh, with the number of um, veterans and unaccompanied young adults with with a few extra here and there um in public school data reported to the u.s department of education take that for what it's worth 
uh, during the 2018-2019 school year, now this is pre-COVID, shows an estimated 10,522 public school students experienced homelessness over the course of the year. Of that total, 279 students were unsheltered, 834 were in shelters, 259 were in hotels or motels, and 9,150 were doubled up. Now, that's not just West Virginia. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I was telling you is that my friend Carl and I had sat down and were talking about some of the, and she does, she doesn't have anywhere near that many people. I think the most that she's had that I know of is four ladies. I don't know if she's had more than that. It's just since I've been talking to her that uh, I know it's four. And we kind of started brainstorming a little bit on, on the fact that some of these ladies need some basic life skills, just very basic stuff, budgeting, checkbook writing, and balancing and, and things like that. And so we, we were kind of brainstorming on things that we could do. And I, one of the things that kept coming back was they'll starve to death. They'll starve to death. They'll starve to death. They'll steal for food, you know? And I got to thinking how in the world, some of these people are not going to have, you know, 40 bucks for the week. How are they? And these are, these are single ladies or grown women with no children attached I should say probably how, how are they going to feed themselves and I got to, to looking into some things and looking into some old recipes and things and and I managed to put together enough recipes for three meals a day for a seven-day week that are based on condensed soups like chicken noodle soup and tomato soup and cream of mushroom soup and uh, cream of celery and I mean just and nacho cheese I mean they're not just a bowl of nacho cheese soup now, please don't please don't think that but how you could take those things and and combine them with just a few other foods low-cost foods and make a meal out of them and one of the things was very basic and I put it on the cover of the recipe book uh, just one piece of toast cut in, in half and a couple slices of bacon, which just two slices of, um, which bacon, the package of bacon, of course, obviously is more than, than a few dollars, but two slices of bacon and a two egg omelet with Fiesta, nacho, nacho Fiesta cheese and milk. So you, you take a, in this particular one, it was just a couple tablespoons of the nacho cheese soup, uh, a little bit of milk, like, I don't know, three or four tablespoons of milk, mix that up till it's smooth. Break your eggs up with a fork, put the nacho cheese soup in there, mix, mix that up, and then just stir it in the skillet like you do an omelet. Serve it beside the toast and the two slices of bacon, and, you know, there's you a a a meal and it's not I mean, it, it, it's it's pretty hearty it, it doesn't wear off really fast because of that cheese in that in that and and the egg all that protein in there and you know i get that um i get that these condensed soups are not necessarily the most healthy thing on earth matter of fact i was sharing it with um 
one of my friends or well a handful of friends on on Facebook and one of the ladies meaning well meaning well came back with well you need to use low sodium soups and you need to offer substitution for eggs in your recipes and and you know consider fiber and all this and I'm like you don't get this you, you don't get it you can't make an omelet with applesauce you you can't substitute everything and the point isn't to provide a heart healthy you know adkins or or um um carbohydrate reduced uh diet you know th it, this isn't the perfect human diet type thing these people don't have the money to buy a hamburger. So these meals are actually costing, a, depending on, you know, your shopping, the store you're going to, and so many different variations of things. But the way I was able to put them together and I was comparing prices is these meals are coming in at under $3 a meal per person. So if, if, if it's a single person, as these are going to be, they're not using a whole can. They don't need the whole can. They don't have to fix the entire recipe. They can fix a, a half or a quarter of the recipe and save even that much more money because they're just feeding themselves. But you once you open a can, it's open. So you either need to mix it up or you need to store it and you need to use it within a couple of days. But a can of soup is about 50 cents. A couple of eggs is about a dollar, depending on the brand and the day of the week. So there's a dollar fifty. A couple slices of bacon's probably fifty cents. So there's two dollars. A slice of toast is probably not even a dime. If you do the math, I mean, yeah, you got to buy the loaf of bread. But we get into the, that that stuff, buying things and storing things and freezing things, so that you're saving your money and you're not buying a loaf of bread every week for one person. But um, so yeah, I've I've. We, we put this, I put this cookbook together and I'm going to have it, I'm going to print it off here in the next few days and, and get with uh, Carla. And uh, we're going to go, I'm going to go over to um, uh, the Jericho house and I'm going to show these ladies how to fix a couple of these and I'm going to give them the cookbooks. And in, and in the cookbook is a shopping list of here's all the things that go into all of these. Uh, you'll need, you know, a package of butter. You'll need a, you'll need an onion. You'll need, I mean, you know, four cans of this and three cans of that. And, and some of these are mixes. You mix the soups up. One of them that I really liked was a poached egg in, in uh, mushroom soup. I don't really like that. And you, you mix the soup up. I forget the exact amounts, but you mixed, you, you didn't, it wasn't a full can of soup. I want to say it was like a quarter can of soup or something, but anyway. So you mix that up and you get it to simmering and you ease your egg in there and you and you let it poach. And you serve that, you, you ladle that gently over a piece of toast. You, you put a little extra uh, mushroom soup over top of it and it's a beautiful poached egg and it tastes delicious. And it fills you up. And there are some that mix soup and there's some where you add uh, like a half a can of V8 juice or the equivalent, doesn't have to be V8 brand. And it really fills you up. Something as simple as a is a as a uh, a can of chicken noodle soup, the half a can of water, and half a can of V8 juice 
adds so much more, well, fiber and other nutrients and things. And it tastes a lot fuller and it's really good. And it's just stuff like that. So I'm going to be uh, sharing that with them and, and I'll, I'll let you know how that turns out. I kind of touched on, um, I want to I watch my time. Uh, I kind of touched on that I run a small B&B for my home. I like to call it a micro B&B because some of those bread and, bed and breakfast snobs don't, <laughs> don't like it if you're listed on Airbnb. I mean, they really have an issue with it. But I started rent, uh, renting my room through Airbnb back in 2017. And, I, you know, I've got guests coming. Not today. This is I'm recording on a Saturday. But I, next weekend will be Friday afternoon. They'll be coming. And I'll talk about, I'll make some notes and I'll share with you how I get ready for them and um, the things that I do. And um, I've done well. I Every quarter that I could be um, a super host, which really isn't that hard, but, you know, some people can be nasty and give you bad reviews or low numbers just because they don't want anybody to be perfect, you know. Um, but except for COVID, because when COVID was running and the governor had the had the state shut down, I had to make a decision. Uh, my husband was working out of town a big part of the first half of 2020. And my concern was if I was inviting people into the house and I picked up the COVID, first off, would I give it to my father? That's not what I wanted to do. My father is 82 years. He was, he was 80 years old at the time. He's 80 years old. Fair health, but not good. Very obese. Heavy chain smoker. I mean, just, you know, it was dangerous. I didn't want to add to the possibility of him picking it up. So um, I had to make that decision. Was I going to continue to rent? And then Airbnb was putting some really strict policies on how you prove that you clean the place and I looked into blue lights and I looked into, and I had already, as I was watching, as, as some of you probably were, this develop all the winter before from, from like October, November of 2019. I was watching this. I was hearing people talk about it and I was picking clues up. Things that were, sounded right. Things that initially you would see on the news and then suddenly it stopped. Like they were welding people in, in China when they were welding people in. And uh, so I knew that was some something nasty was coming this way. But, um, you know, I rolled the dice. I decided I wasn't going to um, continue to invite people in. So I had to I had to shut down my calendar, which costs cost me my superhost status because you got to have like at least 10 stays in. Oh, I don't know, three months or six months or a year or something like that. I can't remember now what it was. And you have to have uh, reviews of of. It used to be different. I want to say it was four and then they upped it or something. I don't know. Um, I don't worry about being super host anymore as far as worrying about it. But I got it back as soon as I opened my calendar back up. It started back up again. But, um, I mean, there's just certain things you had to do. And it got to be more of a hassle than it was worth. I didn't want to have to constantly be buying masks for people, worrying about people, whether they wanted to come in or whether they came in and saw me without one and reported me and got me, you know, kicked off the platform or whatever. So it was just as easy just to shut the, shut the calendar off and not do it. So I didn't host anybody for a long time. And then I eased back into it and there's not been any problems, but yeah, we've got some folks coming pretty soon. Um, I also wanted to talk about the garden. 
there's not much of a garden right now because it's the end of the growing cycle in West Virginia. We've got a hard freeze coming up here in a few days. We've already had a couple frosts. But um, I'm, I've been uh, dabbling in sprouting seeds, and I've got a couple of YouTube videos up on that uh, where I, you know, sprouted seeds over the period of a week. I'd already done it once, so I was doing it another time just to document it. And I'm going to try to set up a little microgreens thing down in my basement. I've already got part of it started. I've got the, the area sectioned off. I've got a grow light in there. I've got some um, reflective material in the area to help keep that light reflected on all of them. And I haven't planted them yet or started the seeds yet, but I'm going to be doing that, keeping you posted on it. <laughs> and now I have a note to myself um, that says, I mentioned before, this is the inaugural edition of the Holstein House podcast, episode one. <clears throat> excuse me, is premiering on the Fountain Network and then will be distributed to others. If you found me on Fountain, I hope you'll boost and clip and share with, with all your friends and followers. And if I bring you value, I hope you will give me value. And now on with the show. So I guess that kind of counts as, oh, I'm getting ready to have the big chimes here for my clock for 12 o'clock noon. I guess that counts as a commercial break. <laughs> I love my clock. I really do. My husband got it for me several years ago for Christmas. I love it. But it's a challenge to get any kind of video done without that thing going off. It goes off, of course, on the hour and then on the half hour. It's not one of those where it goes off every quarter hour or something. But uh, I love it. But it's aggravating sometimes. And 12 o'clock midnight and 12 o'clock noon is, is one of them because it's 12 in a row. Bing, bing, bing. And now it's where I would probably talk about some news and current events, but I have to confess I haven't paid a lot of attention to the local or national news in, in weeks. I catch some headlines through social media, but I just can't tolerate the stupidity, honestly. It's, it's, all, it, it's like Atlas Shrugged. All of the idiots are throwing mud at each other, and those of us with three quarters of a brain are walking away. I honestly, I, I swear I thought I saw the other day that that the current president of the United States was talking nuclear Armageddon. People were freaking out. And, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Russia in the nukes. Russia in the nukes. China in the nukes. Israel in the nukes. America in the nukes. It's going to be uh, thermonuclear warfare. I, it just wears me out. There's only so much we can do about it. These The, the people who are running this mess the mess, whether it's the, the, the U.S. government at the federal agency level, then really further down. But for this conversation, we'll say federal U.S. government, uh, uh, the, the, gov the, the Russian government, the Ukrainian government, the Chinese government, the Japanese government, the, the kings in Saudi Arabia and, and sheiks and all that stuff, all of those folks in the Middle East. We there is absolutely nothing we can do individually to to stop them from this stupidity, honestly. Unless, have you looked lately, the last last election, the last election where the president was on the ballot when it was Trump-Biden, and everybody's screaming, I don't, at this point, it's too late, Biden's not going to get thrown out of office, we got to move ahead. But honestly, if the percentages of people who were voting was higher, we wouldn't have to play this stupid game. 
Less than 20% of the people who are eligible to vote in this country vote regularly. Less than 20. 100 people in a room, 20 of them vote regularly. 10 people in the room, two of them vote regularly. And the rest of them like to sit back and complain. And don't tell me they don't. It's all over the place. You see it every day. They'll lie to you in a heartbeat. Because if all of these people making all of this noise were actually the ones voting, it would not have been a close election. There would not have been room to say, oh, there was some cheating over here and some cheating over there and some cheating over here. Because it would not have. If the people will vote, I mean, honestly, it's not that hard. And you don't need to mail in your vote, vote uh, uh, or for all that because there's so many options for early voting. Even in poor little West Virginia, we've got like 10 days ahead of the regular vote that we can go to an alternate site and go in and vote. You can request an absentee ballot. You always could request an absentee ballot. The only thing you had to do was say why you weren't going to be in the county. I voted absentee back in 1982. I think it was 82. Now I was living in the trailer. It's probably 84. I think it was 84 because we was living in the trailer out in Copper's Cove. Um, I was a military wife, living out of state, didn't give up my state residency, so I could still vote, contacted the courthouse, said, I'm a military spouse, I'm out of state, send me an absentee ballot. No big deal. And yet, for some reason, you know, two years ago, it was, oh my God, it's so bad. People can't vote. People can't vote. They're stopping people. Nobody's stopping you from voting. Just shut up. Nobody is stopping anybody from voting. If you want to vote, you'll, you'll vote. You don't have to pay money to vote. You don't have to pass any kind of exams to vote. And showing your ID don't even get me started. You got to show it to buy a fifth of liquor. You got to show it to buy a six-pack at the Walmart. You got to show it to open a bank. You got to show it to get direct deposit of your Social Security check. Don't even. Don't even. So I, I just, I get, I get absolutely furious with people over some of these. And, and so what I end up, I've had to do more and more. I don't know if it's because I'm older or because things are that much stupider. But I just, I just can't watch it. I can't watch 24-hour news anymore. I didn't watch it 24 hours anyway. But, you know, you have it on in the room or you run in there or whatever. I, I can't do it. I've even gotten to where I can't hardly listen to the radio, to the talking you know, guys on the radio, mostly guys, very few women, mostly guys on the radio. Bomb throwers. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The world's coming to an end. Oh, my God. Buy this from me now. Honestly. Wears me out. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what an introduction. So, um. You know, then I, I, I mentioned uh, earlier that uh, I am I do follow Christ. I'm a Christian. Um, I am a, a follower of Christ first. And I am a United Methodist Church member second. Um, if I'm discussing 
religious topics here. I'm discussing it as a follower of Christ. I am not a representative of the United Methodist Church in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Do not say Robin of the Methodist Church. I don't speak for the Methodist Church. I speak for me. And I speak for me as a follower of Christ and the way I understand the New Testament. And I'm not going to get all tore up and say New Testament versus Hebrew Testament versus Old Testament. I, I'm not Jewish. You know, I, I have nothing against Jewish people. I don't have a problem with their religious beliefs. But those, they're the foundation of my religious beliefs because Christ was a Jew. Yes, he was. Christianity didn't come into play until after Christ died and was resurrected. Christ was not a Christian. He was a Jew. It's very simple. Anyway, so were the, so were the original apostles. They were Jewish. That's a conversation for another day, though. I was about to go off somewhere else. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think I need to do that at 47 minutes into this broadcast. Um, so anyway, I am a Christian and I don't make any apologies for that. And I was talking a little bit about that earlier that I know there's all these people with all this shock jock mentality, Howard Stern wannabes that want to use the f-bomb left and right and just oh because they can say bad words on the internet oh i'm gonna say bad words on my podcast ha 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 f-bomb ha, ha, ha. oh i can say the f-bomb here <laughs> you know that doesn't that, i i don't i don't care it doesn't impress me in the least it really doesn't um so you can say some filthy words so can i and i can probably say the same ones you can but I'm not going to. And I, I'm not going to get into a debate about who has more respect for who because, I mean, it's on you. If you want to use foul language, use foul language. I do ask that if you're going to be a guest on my show that you try not to. I mean, you know, when it when it's second nature to you, it's hard to break the habit. It's kind of like saying, um, all the time. Um, um. gets to be a habit. You don't even think you're doing it. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, so it, it just comes out. I get it. But there's still, just because somebody uses that kind of language doesn't mean they're idiots. It doesn't mean um, that they are lower on the, on the ladder than anybody else. It just means that they use language that I don't agree with. And I have um, shared that with a couple other folks. Um, I shared it with, uh, I, I actually shared some value for value to a permaculture po podcast uh, for that. I told them, uh, I sent them a message and a few Satoshis. And I said, I really appreciate that you don't use salty language. And I said, I, I, I know people do. And I listen to people who do because they have good information. And that's true. But the bonds don't tend to use that language. And <clears throat> I'm sorry, my throat's getting dry. Um, and I appreciate that. I really do. 
you know, I don't have to stop and think, oh, every time I hear it. And I'll have to stop and think, should I keep listening to them or not? Now, I'm not going to be listening to Howard Stern, and Howard Stern's not, not going to listen to me because he'll never know who I am anyway. But anyway, I, you know, I don't, I just don't, I choose not to listen to that. But some of these folks that I listen to on um, some of the self-reliance programs, I, they've got some good information, and I want to hear that information. And they interview some people that have good information, and I want to hear those interviews. So um, that's where that is. But I am a Christian. I don't apologize for that. So I know I'm only about, oh, well, it's not too bad. 50 minutes in. I didn't get too far off, off track. Um, my outgoing music is only like, I don't know, 25 seconds or something like that. I've really got, these headphones are crappy. I'm going to have to get me some real radio announcer headphones. Um. But I do appreciate it. Uh, for those of you who are watching the live stream, well, it's actually not a live stream because I didn't stream it live. I recorded it live because how you record dead. But uh, for those of you who are watching the, the video replay of this, I really appreciate it. And I'd like to hear what you have to say about it. And I'd like for you to leave it in the comments. And um, uh, there are, I mean, you know, we we ask people to, um, like and subscribe and click and boosts and and rumble and all those things um, because we want to you know we want to get connected with other people of like minds and I would appreciate it if you would share it within your network within your people um, right now you can reach me at robinholstein.com I do own the um, URL for uh, Holstein House, but I don't have a page up there yet. That's that'll be coming soon. I've got to rebuild my pages because the <laughs> I just like to set it and forget it. And the uh, the themes that I was using on my um, on my websites they aren't supported anymore. It's been such a long time. So I was getting these error messages, and I contacted my hosting company. And I said, "What in the world is this?" And the young man was really nice. Yeah, we were on the phone for a long time while we were talking things through. And uh, he said, uh, "You know, you, it's not supported anymore, and it looks like the company that you bought the theme from has been out of business for a while." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's my luck. That's my luck." But uh, yeah, some PHP files and some other stuff was just you know, out of whack. So I'm gonna have to rebuild that. But I'm I'm just gonna go a lot simpler. I'm just gonna get a, really a plug and play thing because on those pages on the uh, robinholstein.com, I really only need some informational pages of the blog. A couple links for, you know, drop a couple pages for the um, um for Substack contact information and, and posts and for the podcasts and for the videos and stuff like that. And then for Holstein House, I uh, it, it just I, I do take direct bookings for Holstein House. So that's one of the things that I have done. I do want to start taking um, uh, Bitcoin or Satoshis for stays. In, but I don't have, I've got to set that up. That was part of what prompted me and, and got me figuring out <laughs> this thing so messed up. Because I started looking at it. I thought, how in the world? I need to plug in. How in the world can I accept Satoshi, Satoshis for uh, rooms for people who want to do that. And 
I had the young man on the phone. I said, I'm getting these error messages. And do you know about this? And he says, I don't know about that. I mean, it was, it was kind of funny, but so for hosting house, I do want to be able to take direct bookings, also take uh, the Airbnb bookings and be paid with uh, Satoshi's. And I, I just think that will be a really fun experiment to see if people who tend to use Satoshi, and I probably am butchering that word because I, I'm not even looking at the spelling of it, Satoshi's, uh, if they use, people who use those will use those when traveling, you know, and will it help me? I have a, a, I have a small um, building here on the property that would be a great little meeting center for up to 20 people. It needs a new roof. It needs some work. I've got to come up with, <laughs> I was thinking about a Kickstarter for that, but I don't have that all worked out yet, but that would be a great thing to do as well. And um, I just, I have all these ideas and, and no way of getting them going. I, there, I have key blocks of information that prevent me from advancing and I don't know where to find that information. And by the time I find it, it's usually too late, but anyway. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to wrap this and uh, I've got about five minutes left. I wanted to do this within the hour or within an hour and I'm coming up on that now. So I'm going to say goodbye to my podcast audience and uh, let's see. And I, I would love for you to come back. Please, please like and follow so that you can see when I, when I set my next episode up. Um, hopefully I'll get into a rhythm. I'll get a, 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 a schedule of, of when I can do these together. And I at least want to do one a week. I really just want to do one a week. And I think that will be good and keep it from getting too boring and, uh, predictable. And then, you know, as it grows, if it, if it grows and if there's enough demand for it, then, you know, maybe I'll expand and, and do some more. But I'd also like to eventually start having some guests on like, you know, like everybody else does when they do a podcast. So I'm going to start looking for that. And if you are on um, the fountain app and you would like to be one of my first guests, please reach out to me at Robin at Robin Holstein.com. Robin at Robin Holstein.com. Put, uh, put fountain app guest in the subject line so that I'll, I'll know what it's about. And I won't just swipe left and delete you. I do that really fast sometimes and end up having to go dig stuff out of the trash. So. so there you have it. Post your comments, do all that boosting, liking, sharing, thumbs up, and stuff that helps spread the word and poke the algorithms. Follow me on most of the big social media platforms and look for my name, Robin Holstein, or Holstein House. Till next time, bye-bye.